Hey, this is Robert. Our next two shows are on March 14th in San Diego and March 15th in Denver. Our 7th anniversary show next Wednesday in Denver starts at 7 p.m. rather than our usual 8 p.m., so please arrive an hour earlier to enjoy the superstar lineup packed with some of our all-time favorite storytellers. The theme will be popular. We will see you there. Next storyteller. All right, next storyteller. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrator's Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrator's, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story is about control, the anxiety of knowing when to take it, and the grace required to let it go. This story was told by Brianne Kirby live on February 14th, 2017 at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego. The theme of the evening was Red Hander. Let's have some romance. We are racing into the sunset. We have 10 minutes to make it around the airport, up and over the spine of Point Loma to Sunset Cliffs Park. This drive takes 16 minutes. Already, the sun has tucked its chin below the point, winking a bit as it does that parlor trick when you pretend you're on an elevator descending behind the couch. We're not going to make it. My husband is driving. My son and I are sitting together in the back. I am telling myself that I am perfectly calm, in control of my disappointment. I didn't expect to make it. It's one of those San Diego evenings where there is so much water in the air that at the perfect angle of refraction, the air glows. Like the world's done an inversion, and now what we breathe is tangible liquid. It's the ocean, and we are swimming in bioluminescence so that every movement streaks a tiny smear of orange across the air. If I move my hands, they would blur and shift, leaving contrails of light. But in the back seat, I'm not looking at the light. I am busy picking my cuticles, tugging at jagged edges, ripping away until blood starts to pool and then paint my fingernail crimson. Light, crimson and light everywhere. And we are gonna miss the sunset. My son notices my busy work and bats my hands apart. Mom, you promised, he laughs, punctuating his words with light slaps at my fingers so that a drop of blood falls onto my skirt. I suck the wound and when he turns away, begin picking again. It's because sunsets matter to me. I spent a year after a traumatic accident that almost took my life and left me with chronic pain, making a deal with myself every single morning that I wasn't allowed to kill myself until the next day. That year, I started picking my fingers. My bloody cuticles were a way to exercise control in a situation where I had none to smooth the ragged pieces of my life. Those tears deep into the basal layer, blood pooling then spilling, made the pain on the inside match the outside. That uncertain year, each sunset felt like a victory. Despite the mess of my twisted foot, despite the pain that left me crippled and sobbing often in public bathrooms where I hid from questioning eyes, sunsets told me that I finished the day. I finished that year and almost 20 since then that have added not only time, but marriage, motherhood, and a work to a full life. Sunsets are mine. There's that sigh of release when the world falls back from day into night. And I feel that sigh in my blood. Most of the time, motherhood doesn't feel real to me. 
My unplanned pregnancy occurred just two years after my accident when I was still in pain and jagged at the edges. I often felt like someone slipped this baby in my uterus to frame me for shoplifting at the baby store. And then I never got caught, and the real responsible adults didn't save him from me. Parenting, for those of you who can relate and don't know, is a, is a lifelong practice of being out of control. There is no easy button for the relentless assault of being responsible for a whole other human. It often feels surreal. There'd be times when I would hear this baby crying, and it would be so annoying. And I would think, why isn't someone taking care of their annoying crying baby? And then my milk would let down in what felt like flows of lava under my skin, and I would realize, oh, that's my annoying crying baby. I not only had to keep a human alive, I also had to teach him how to be humane. And having just recently come out of a year where I barely kept myself alive, I wasn't sure I could be successful in this endeavor. Because the thing is, kids don't know how to do anything. You have to teach them from, no, it's not okay to poo in the protocile, to sharing is caring, to we do not pee on our friends, and we own our mistakes and ask for forgiveness, and then all the other stuff that comes in between. Everything is a teaching moment or a teaching failure. And since parenting isn't something you get to practice before you get the kid, I know that there is something really important that I've missed, even as I do my best that I can. And with that particular anxiety, I have picked my cuticles a lot in the 12 years of my son's life. But now, he's all tween, and we're both settling into our roles of son and mom, and he actually is one of my most favorite humans. He, I love his big heart for people with disabilities and for babies and for animals. He's really, really good at loving things that don't have a voice. He's also really good at owning his mistakes and doing the right things. And so sometimes it even feels normal when he calls me mom. And for the most part, I kept parenting pretty simple, using strategies I used on myself during my years of pain. Because I couldn't help myself, rather than some intentional honesty, I showed my son my flaws. But I often spun them into a lesson of like, here's the proper way a kind human behaves when they mess up. I would ask him, do you have kindness in your heart to gauge whether his choices were good ones? And that's kind of my rule of thumb for life. When I feel I have little control over a situation, I just ask myself, do you have kindness in your heart? I figure if I live in kindness, then even though I feel like parenting was some sort of fake it till you make it AA test, my son's gonna grow into a pretty good human. That faking it has even transformed my cuticle picking into a recent life lesson with my making a deal with him that if he showed good faith in doing his homework, I would resist this obviously bad habit. That's an easy deal to make, but quitting anxiety-related compulsions don't exactly equate to finishing Spanish homework. So, we're sitting together in the back of the car, rushing west about to just miss the sunset, and I'm picking when he isn't looking because it's somehow worse to just miss something that you were certain you'd miss anyway than to just miss it completely altogether. Because when you just almost miss something you're certain you'd miss, you get that glimmer of hope that we might make it. And when that's crushed, it's just terrible. I'm picking 
but it's not satisfying to do so because I really can't get into it. And my good-hearted son keeps smacking my hands apart and laughing that annoying tween laugh and saying, you promised, you promised. And no matter how much I tell myself I'm in control of my disappointment, I still can't stop picking. But then we crest the point. And we're now sailing down Narragansett Street to the cliffs, and the ocean is spread wide across the horizon. Somehow, my husband pulled this off, this 16-minute drive in 10 minutes. Through two traffic lights on Sunset Cliffs Boulevard, the sun's lip has just kissed the Pacific. And even though there's apartments and shops blocking our view as we race parallel to the coast, the clearing to the cliffs is just ahead. And then we're there. We're there, and just there, the crown of the sun's bald pate, just visible. The Pacific is molten gold. The sky is that purple of a secret bruise. And I feel the knots from the day release. My back softens against the car seat, and I fold my hands. A small smile just starting to bloom in the corners of my mouth. We made it. I made it. And then my husband keeps driving. <laughs> Past parked cars that block our view of the day's end, and now the sun is fully gone, the sky blushing pink in its absence. My fingers resume picking. Pick, pick, pick. It's okay, I'm in control. This is a good lesson for my son. We don't always get what we want. I didn't expect to see the sunset anyway. My son begins batting my hands again, his singing voice, you promised, stop, you promised. He's laughing, he won't stop touching me, his little stick fingers threading through mine as he pulls my hands apart. You promised. Why didn't we stop when we had the chance? What was accomplished by continuing to drive when we had a full view of the sun? You promised, you promised, stop. Like a clownfish in an anemone, my son's fingers dart in and out of my hands. Why didn't we just stop? He promised, just stop, stop. Leave me alone. Each word punctuated with my clenched fist into his sternum. His small bones give a little, feel fragile under each thrust. His face goes white as I'm sure mine has. Then it crumples like tissue paper. I pull him close to me so I don't have to see the betrayal in his face. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. My husband parks the car. The sun is gone but still lighting the horizon line like a golden thread. Get out, he calls over his shoulder. You can still catch some of the light. But I'm not going anywhere. I think I may have just broken something that can't be repaired. Where was the kindness in my heart? There's no lesson here I can sagely impart to my child. There is no way to spin this. In this moment, I am exposed for the faker I am. I'm caught. I'm not a mother. I'm not even a kind human. I am a person who lashed out at another person because I couldn't control the disappointment that flooded my heart. I hurt somebody else because I was hurt. When I was pregnant, my son used to stretch up, up, and push on my diaphragm in such a way that it felt like he had clasped my heart. It hurt like hell. But 
it was also sort of a grace, a reminder that life inside me was thriving, despite the fact I had no control over his development. In the car, I lift his face to look me in the eye. His face still white, but streaked pink, where tears have trailed down his cheeks. Will you forgive me, I ask? His chest expands, then deflates and flutters. Mom, he begins. Thank you. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>